0: Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. I'll probably do it not tonight, and I won't do it any of the other three nights that introduced her, asked her to come to do this uh, teaching on marriage in the next four weeks. Uh, this is probably better than the idea that I had uh, used to not very long ago. I remember uh, listening on Pandora, Pandora Radio, and they always give these little commercials. They used to do this one for uh, Febreze that always started, I love you, but sometimes you stink. And I told my wife, I said, I'm going to use that, and I'm going to do a series that love stinks. Or when love stinks, I still might do that someday, but uh, nevertheless, amen. So this will probably be a little better than I love you, but sometimes you stink. Uh, But there's a lot of truth to that. But nevertheless, amen, love, and appreciate my wife. Uh, So thankful for her. And uh, as I said over the past uh, few services of her going to be doing this, um, the training and stuff that we both have had uh, together, and then her even more so uh, than myself. I think she's capable of doing this. Um, There's the old little proverbial story. It's uh, about a man and his wife that are headed to uh, the mayor's ball. He is the mayor of the city. The mayor of the city. They are headed to the mayor's ball. They kind of reach that place in life where they finally feel like they've arrived and they've made it to that place. They're going in the the limousine with the dark tinted windows. Everything is just posh. Uh, He and his wife. And as they uh, come out of a filling station, as a matter of fact, there's a guy there that sees pumping gas and uh, the husband who was mayor looked over at his wife and he said honey he said look at old Jack there it was a former classmate that both of them knew so look at old Jack there he said filling up you know he's still a gas attendant he says aren't you glad that many years ago that old flame that you switched and you started dating me. She says, now you're in an evening gown and you're on your way to the mayor's ball and and he's still pumping gas. And she looked at him with a little smile on her face. She said, honey, had I married Jack, he would have been mayor today. Now, there's a lot of truth in that. I am where I am today and, and I feel like maybe I've even accomplished or done or went and done some of the things that I've done in the past uh, X number years, 20 years of my life because I was married to Don McGee. And I love and appreciate her. She has brought value to our home and especially to me. Uh, if it was up to me, I could stay in my house, lock the door and be a hermit. I really could. I have no problem doing that. But as a result of her, we go around and we we rub shoulders and we talk and we interact with other people. Amen, and so I appreciate her today. Amen. Can we just raise our hands right now to the Lord? I know teaching's gonna go forward here in just a little bit, but we need God's Spirit more than anything in the next few moments to come down and touch our hearts and our minds afresh and anew. God, I need you, Jesus, tonight. Open my heart, God. Open my life, God. I pray, Lord Jesus, today. Help me, Lord Jesus, to be attentive, Lord God, to what your Spirit would have in this place. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen and amen. God is able. He is able.
1: Amen. Y'all can be seated tonight. If you want to go ahead and start my clock, I need to keep track of my time. Because y'all know I can talk. <laughs> Someone said amen. I heard it. <laughs> I have a big note. If you could see my notes up here with my title, I got six stars at the top that says set timer. <laughs> so I make sure I don't go over my time. But uh, I'm thankful for this opportunity. Um, I am an, an expert by no means, um, in the subject matter of tonight being married 20 years. Marriage is a constant work. You're constantly changing and working and um, I have all these books up here because I know I'm not an expert, but I've read almost all of these over the past many years who have a lot of wisdom, a lot of collective years of pastoring and counseling and uh, for parent-enrich training and apostolic school of theology classes so i feel like i have gained some knowledge through these uh through hands-on counseling whether people here in the church that have come to us for counseling or outside of the church and we've traveled and tried to help others and uh thankful to say that there's some couples that have come to us for counseling and they're still married so i guess the track record's not too bad <laughs> but um I wanted to mention, too, before I started tonight, um, you all know how God's been moving around here this year. And uh, I just wanted to let you know that in the back Sunday morning, we had kids during our altar time, hands raised, tears pouring down their face, and we just about had one get the Holy Ghost. I mean, they were right there. So God is doing stuff back there just as much as he's doing out here. So you all just keep praying for our kids because they are so close. They are right on the verge They're at that age and I know God's gonna fill them with the Holy Ghost. So tonight, my subject title for this series is Fighting for Your Marriage and Not Each Other. That's my title, Fighting for Your Marriage and Not Each Other. And tonight's lesson is, can you hear me now? All right. There was a story of a husband and wife who had been married for many years they had reached another anniversary and the wife was quite frustrated and upset. She told her husband, you haven't told me that you loved me in years. I don't even think you love me anymore. The husband looked at his wife in bewilderment and said, honey, I told you the day we got married that I loved you. And his wife says, but that was years ago. And the husband replied, well, I meant what I said and I figured if it ever changed, I could let you know. So I guess that was a good thing it hadn't changed, but uh, she needed to hear it, right? You ever heard people say the phrase, all you need is love. We're going to live on love. If we love each other, that's all that matters. We're living on love. And do we need love in marriage? Absolutely we do. You can't have a good marriage without it. Because the Bible tells us God is love. So if you don't have love, you don't have God. And if God's not in your marriage, your chances are much, much less of succeeding. We even are told in the word that a threefold cord is not easily broken. You, your spouse, and God at the center. 1 Corinthians 13 talks to us about charity, which many commentators agree that you can intersperse charity and love interchangeably. So if you allow me to read those scriptures from a different version, let me read what it tells you about love. Love's patient. Love's kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. And it's not proud. It does not seek to dishonor others it's not self-seeking it's not easily angered and it keeps no record of wrongs love does not delight in evil but rejoices with the truth it always protects always trusts always hopes and always perseveres that's what love is we absolutely need love and I realize before I go further when you get to talking about marriage I don't expect a bunch of response or a bunch of amens. Because if you're sitting next to your spouse and you're like, yeah, that's me, you want to be like, amen, you know, because your spouse will be like, that's right. Didn't you hear that? You know? So, Or you don't want to be saying amen if you think so, that's them, because then you might go home, yeah, I heard you say amen when she said that. You know? So it's all right. If you all are just out there listening, it's totally good. So I don't expect a whole lot of feedback in this. But if you feel too, go for it. It ain't going to hurt my feelings, as my husband would say. But as awesome as love is, we are all still very human. And it takes a whole lot more to keep a marriage going, doesn't it? You gotta have forgiveness, compassion. You gotta be flexible. You gotta have some wisdom. Sometimes you feel like you gotta have the ability to read minds. You gotta have willingness to change, to adapt. And sometimes you even have to have the ability or the desire or the willingness to step outside your comfort zone. As my husband said, he's content to stay at home, but he'll step outside his comfort zone and let me talk to everyone I run into in the lobby at convention when he's just ready to get back to the room. (laughs) So sometimes you step outside your comfort zone for your spouse. So over the next four weeks, we're going to talk about tools to better your marriage, ways to understand your spouse better, how to talk so your spouse will listen, how to speak their language. We're even going to talk about what anger really means. Anger is considered an umbrella emotion, and I'm gonna talk about that down the road, but not tonight. Marriage is not static, it is fluid. What I mean by that is that marriage is constantly adjusting course. Like a ship or a boat out to sea, you can't just set out to sea, point the boat in the direction you wanna go, and then sit back and expect to get there. Because throughout that journey, when that boat is on the water, you've gotta contend with waves, wind, weather, so many different things that affect the journey that that boat is on. So the captain in the the boat has to constantly monitor the settings, make adjustments, come back on course. So it can't be a thing where you just sit back and let it go. Marriage is the same way. It's made of two people. And as people, if you look back over your life, would you say that you're the same person you were 10 years ago? You the same person you were 20 years ago? no because we change don't we and as we change that affects relationships in our life and they change so marriages are going to go through challenges as we go through experiences there's times that we're going to go through grief we're going to experience loss that's going to affect us as a person we're going to go through health issues and all those things all those dynamics affect us as a person and therefore they come into play and affect our relationship with our spouse So you can't expect to just fall in love, get married, and sit back and say, Married now. It's all good. I don't have to do anything else. I saw. I conquered. And now it's over. No, your work's just beginning. You must consistently and consciously continue to invest in your marriage. Because you're never going to reach that point where you could ever say, I don't have to work at this anymore. We finally got it figured out. Marriage will take work from day one until death do you part marriage is not easy it's not for the faint of heart and anyone who says differently they're a liar i can just say that straight out getting married was the easy part staying married well now that's the challenge so tonight as we go through our teaching i don't want you to sit in your seat and think so glad you said that my spouse needed to hear that honey hope you're listening do you really think that's going to profit no So what I'm asking is that as I teach this, this is stuff that I need to hear, that as I teach, because it's a thing we can rehearse in our mind. So I'm asking us tonight as a group to be self-aware and as introspective as possible. So don't sit through the teaching and be focused on what you think your spouse needs to do, but ask yourself, what is God calling me to do? What does he desire from me as a wife, as a husband? Am I being a spouse that pleases the Lord? Would he approve of my actions? Would he approve of my words? If not, that's okay, because I'm hoping I can give you some tips and some tools that can help change that. So that's number one. Be introspective. Consider yourself. Number two. When you all are watching a game, how do you know who's winning? Right? By the score. That's exactly right. What about when two people are in the boxing ring and they're boxing and there is not a knockout? How do they determine the winner? By the score, right? They keep track of who threw the most punches, right? Who connected, who made the most hits by keeping track of the score. A man wrote about a soccer coach who employed a unique motivational strategy to inspire his team to win. Whenever the team lost, He kept the losing score on the scoreboard all week during practice. This reminded the team of their failure and inspired them to do better. This made them a great team and it led to many victories. However, he cautioned a couple that was on their way to marriage that this was not a good strategy for marriage. We have to stop drawing attention to the score in our relationship. That is, to not keep track of our partner's failures, their shortcomings, and to not let each mistake just keep adding up to the weight of a lifetime of faults. Rather, we need to approach each failure as if there was no scoreboard. And that can be difficult at times, because that means we're forgiving. And forgiving is not always an easy thing. But we referenced in the scripture earlier that love doesn't keep a record of wrong. So I'm asking you tonight as you sit here and you listen to the teaching, to turn off the scoreboard, okay? Turn off the scoreboard. I know me and my husband over 20 years of marriage, when things come into your life and there's stress and there's worry and there's things that weigh on you, we tend to put on a mask for the rest of the world, but we go home and take the mask off, don't we? We're our true self. And sometimes we even take out our frustrations on the person we love. Which can be our spouse and I don't know how many times through our marriage my husband has said this to me and I've said this to him in those times honey I'm not your enemy I'm on your side we're on the same team and sometimes we just need that little reminder that hey yes that's true we're together we're not fighting each other we're a team that's fighting the world and the Bible even tells us that we don't war against flesh and blood but against principalities and powers And we are not ignorant of the devil's devices we know that he wants to destroy churches right he wants to destroy people and churches are made up of families and families are made up of marriages so if he can target and destroy marriages it has a ripple effect on those around them which can destroy churches and people's souls and their salvation so make no mistake i'm not stupid i know that marriages are targeted by the enemy to destroy them and tear them apart you know that I know that. And it doesn't matter from the pastor down to the backslider to the sinner out on the street. He targets marriages flat out. So we have to be aware. We have to be aware. We got to turn off the scoreboard. People keep score for a lot of reasons. Sometimes they do keep score so they can justify their own bad behavior. Well, you did that, so I'm going to do this. Or I wouldn't have done that if you hadn't done this justify what we're doing sometimes it's used to control or manipulate hold it over them like you know blackmail or hold it over them like a scarlet letter well you're never going to get past this I'm never going to let you I remember what you did so it's used to control but people who love don't keep score because love doesn't keep a record of wrong in the book love and respect Dr. Emerson says, the difference between successful couples and unsuccessful couples is that the successful ones keep getting up and keep dealing with the issues. Unsuccessful couples, they want it easy. They want it now. They want their needs to be met. They don't want conflict. They just want everything to be happy. This approach is the epitome of immaturity, he says. Think about it, when two people get married, They're blending two personalities from two different backgrounds and two totally different family lifestyles. And then they're coming together, if they do it God's way, having never lived together before, having never been intimate before, they're coming into the same roof and beginning to live out their days together. It is a given that there is going to be conflict. Paul even addressed this in 1 Corinthians 7. Verse 33 tells us that a man who is married careth for the things that are of the world how he may please his wife Verse 34 says the same thing about a wife. She that is married cares for, careth for the things of the world, how that she may please her husband. Now, it's not saying people that get married, all they care about is the world. Don't misunderstand the scripture. What it's saying is that when you're married, you're looking to the ways of your household. You're seeing about your family. You're trying to take care of your spouse. You're building that relationship. In addition to when before you were single, and the main relationship that you only concerned yourself with was your relationship with God. But now that you're married, then you can, your time is shared. In verse 28, if you back up, he even says that if you marry, it says you will have trouble in the flesh. He goes on to tell us that there will be trouble. There will be conflict. The Apostle Paul is telling us that. The Message Bible interprets these scriptures and tells us, Paul says, it's not a sin to get married. We know that it's not a sin to get married. But just understand that when you do get married, it's going to bring additional stress your focus is no longer singular. You care for your relationship with God and also nurturing your relationship with your spouse. So if God thought it was important enough to write about conflict in marriage, then we can absolutely expect to experience it in our own marriage relationships. It's there and it's okay. So tonight's focus that we're going to talk about is communication, okay? We're going to talk about communication. Now, I don't know the statistics nationwide across the board, but through the prepare and rich assessments and things that we do with couples across the board, anytime there's ever been an assessment done where we've seen a couple that was struggling or having trouble, they always, almost always scored the lowest on communication and conflict resolution. All right. Now you can't teach someone to love another person. Do you understand what I'm saying? Love is a choice and a feeling. You can't teach someone I'm going to teach you to love someone. You can't teach that. You can't teach someone, I'm going to teach you to be loyal. Now, we can model those things. We can preach about those things. People that have the Holy Ghost can allow the Spirit to lead them and show those fruits of the Spirit, but you can't necessarily teach those as tools. You can teach people, though, how to communicate better, how to resolve conflict, and yet those are the things that are tearing people apart. And then they look back years later and say, how did this happen? I married this person because I loved them. How did we end up here? Because a lot of times they never got the proper tools to communicate well, to resolve conflict in their relationships, okay? So I'm hoping that through this, how many here would say that you believe that there is always room for improvement in marriage? Amen, absolutely, 100% across the board. Now, someone might be sitting there saying, well, you might be saying there's improvement because you got it together, but your spouse needs to improve a little. (laughs) But we know that's not true. We all need improvement, myself included. So across the board, a lot of people, they have trouble with communication. How many of you have ever been frustrated in trying to tell someone something and they just weren't getting it? Seemed like you were explaining it. And you knew how you meant it and you were telling it to them but they just weren't understanding they weren't getting it Ralph Waldo Emerson says it is a luxury to be understood it feels good when someone understands you don't it when they say I get what you're saying I understand where you're coming from so we're going to talk about assertiveness and active listening and I'm gonna tell you what those things are now assertiveness assertiveness in marriage, and I have the definition up here for you, is the ability to express our feelings and ask for what we want in a relationship. Now, don't get assertiveness mixed up and think that that means I have to be demanding or I have to be assertive in the sense that I have to be aggressive. That's not what being assertive means, okay? Everyone has the ability to learn to be assertive, whether you're shy, outgoing, backward. It doesn't matter your personality. Everyone can learn how to be assertive. Okay. Now, people who are not good at being assertive, which means they don't have the ability to express their feelings well, they don't have the ability to ask for what they need in a relationship, sometimes those people tend to be those that you might consider passive aggressive, okay? They deny when they're angry. What's wrong with you? Nothing. I'm fine. Not mad. You can tell they are very mad, but I'm fine. Whatever. I'm fine. Or a passive-aggressive person might give a backhanded compliment. Ah, you did a pretty good job blowing the dishwasher for someone who never does it. They may be a person that picks, nags, kind of gives underhanded little digs. And then when the other person finally blows their top, they're like, what's wrong with you? Why are you so upset? Okay, a passive-aggressive person. You kind of get the idea. Oops, lost my notes. or a passive aggressive person they may just bottle it up because they don't know how to share what they need and so they just keep bottling it up bottling it up and then one day it just explodes like a soda bottle that's been shook up and it just comes out and the spouse is completely taken back like caught off guard what does it matter and you may might be saying things like I had no idea that you felt this way why didn't you ever say anything I didn't even know and what's sad about this is that people aren't assertive this can become a vicious cycle that repeats itself they blow up they bury it they blow up they bury it and so it just becomes a pattern in the relationship that can become very unhealthy knowing how to be assertive means you do not expect your partner to read your mind okay Some people, you hear them say things like, well, if they really loved me, they would know what I want. Or, we have been married X number of years. They should know me by now. Or they might say, I shouldn't have to tell them. That's my spouse. They live with me. They say things like that. They want them to read their mind. But good communication, it takes two people. And that doesn't mean one person to speak and one to listen. But that means each one being able to express themselves effectively And good communication also involves the person on the receiving end being able to actually hear and understand what is being said. So how do you know if you're good at being assertive? How do you know that your spouse heard it the way you said it? Well, first, let's lay down a couple ground rules, okay? As I already said, being assertive does not equal being demanding, okay? You're not demanding what you want or you need, you're asking, okay? Number two, assertive people take responsibility for their messages by using I statements. What do you mean by I statements? That means they don't begin their statements with you, like you always, you never, and they don't begin with you. Assertive people use I statements. Number three, in making requests, they're positive and respectful in their communications. They're polite. You might even hear them say something like please and thank you. And you're thinking, if I got a problem and I'm aggravated and I need something, the last thing you're going to hear me say is please. But here's the thing. You know, I've often heard the phrase, you catch a lot more flies with honey than vinegar. If you're looking for a result that's positive, take these things into consideration. Here's an example. Here's the wrong way. This is not someone that's good at being assertive. Let's say that you have a wife and the husband is always late coming home from work. And he steps through the door, and, buddy, she has finally had it, and she's raring to go. And she says, you're always late. You never come home on time. You never call to let me know if you're stuck in traffic. You don't care that I just spent almost an hour preparing dinner, and now it's going to be cold. You don't care about my feelings at all. Okay. Now, there may have been a lot of truth in what she said, but I guarantee you all those you statements and attacking, all that's going to do is just raise up the defense of the spouse. Okay? It doesn't matter. It may not matter that there was a wreck and he missed it because he was stuck in traffic and God – I mean, it doesn't matter. The defenses are up, okay? And that person is you, you, you. And they say your actions, your behavior, you control my emotions. Now, being assertive, let's rephrase. You state the issue using I statements and how I feel. You're not going on a 10-minute diatribe, just pouring it all out. There's a little acronym called KISS that says, keep it simple, stupid. (laughs) If you want your spouse to understand, sometimes we just have to keep it simple, okay? When we've worked with people um, in counseling with this and talking about being assertive, they start pouring out everything and five minutes in we pause and say do you really think your spouse is still listening at this point and able to to digest what you're saying like oh well probably not okay so think about what you want to say so here's the most important things you need to do one you state the need or the problem number two you state how it makes you feel Number three, you may make a suggestion of what you might like to see or how maybe a resolution to the problem and how that would make you feel. So the problem, how it makes you feel, a possible resolution and how that would make you feel. So the husband comes in, let's rephrase. Here's the wife. When you're late, it makes me feel so worried. I would really appreciate if you could let me know if you aren't gonna be home at the regular time. That would make me feel reassured and better able to plan our evening still stated the problem let him know that it bothered her let her know what the problem was okay do you see the difference and can you see how the response of the person you're talking to is going to be different when you are claiming ownership of your feelings you know because i'll mention this later but in marriage there's not a right and wrong it's just what your preferences as a couple. Because everybody in here is unique. Everybody is a unique individual. And what you want may not be what I want. And what your spouse wants may not be what my spouse wants. Okay? So it's about not what's right or wrong, and dying of your island of this is normal. It's finding out how can I please my spouse. What are my spouse's preferences? What do they need from me? Okay? So we're going to do a little exercise called drive through talking now I've asked Josh and Sarah Johnson have agreed to help me with this pastor can you grab me a couple folding chairs we're going to demonstrate this you are going to sit in on the counseling session for a few minutes of what that might look like so while they're coming while he's getting that let me ask you a question before the days of put them facing each other please thank you Before the days of going up to the Sonic screen or the drive-thru where they had screens, when you went through the drive-thru and placed your order and said, I want this, this, and this, what typically happens next? They repeat it back to you. Did you say that you wanted a Big Mac, a large fry, and a medium Dr. Pepper? No, I want a large Dr. Pepper. (laughs) So they're repeating back to you to make sure they heard what you said right and that way if they repeat it back to you and it's not what you ordered then at that moment you have the ability to make a correction and restate right okay so here's josh and sarah okay they're my little guinea pigs all right so remember there's two parts one is being assertive and sharing the need and problem now before we continue in this little exercise she's going to be my person that i need you to be assertive and express your needs okay So then what we have here is the active listener. If you could put up my active listener slide. Active listening is the ability to let your spouse know that you understand what they just said by restating the message. Because too many times, we're not hearing what our spouse is telling us. A lot of times, we're just sitting there formulating in our mind what we're going to say when they stop talking, right? Whether it's something defensive, all right? So, here are the rules for being an active listener. I've already told you, for being assertive, state the problem, this is how it makes me feel. Possible solution, this is how it would make me feel. Okay, for the the active listener, here's what you do. You listen carefully and give your undivided attention. You don't interrupt, because the goal of being an assertive listener is not to talk for 10 minutes, it's to be simple. So, don't interrupt. And third and most important, Is that you restate what you heard including the content and the feeling all right so here's our example okay here's the example we're gonna run with okay we're gonna pretend that life's been crazy it's been so busy and when they have had free time that hubby's just been doing his own thing and going hunting and driving around town and just doing his own thing and so wife over here feeling so lonely and really wanting to spend some quality time with her husband, and it's really starting to upset her that it seems like everything else is just taking priority over her, okay? So I need you to please express to your husband in an assertive way the problem, how it makes you feel, what you would like to see, and how that would make you feel. Now, they agreed to totally do this for me, so this, I didn't spring this on them. Are you ready? That's okay. I hope I kind of hope you guys mess up because then I can kind of – you can if you it. want to. I'll do it okay. like I used to do it. <laughs> okay, here we go. Wait, I'm gonna it's been so busy. We've had games. We've had everything going on, and I got everything behind. We need to get everything caught up before we move on and we get to spend time together. I'm getting tired of it because we never have time to spend together to go out and deal with our stuff together and hang out and get to know each other again. That was not being assertive, okay? So when she did all that, then how did that make you feel? <clears throat> how did that make you feel when she did all that? Um, I'm sorry about your luck. No. <laughs> how, how did that make you feel? A little overwhelmed did and upset. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Yes. Did it, make you to me, feel, to me. did it make you feel like you was ready to just go on a date with her? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, let's start again. We're going to rephrase the problem. Okay, there's one y'all can share. Okay, so we're going to rephrase. This is how I feel. This is the reason why. It's on. Okay. This is what I would like to see, and this is how it make me feel. All right. Josh and Sarah, take two. you're good you're good and if you need to I can put a little little mic in your ear and tell you what to say (laughs) might need some help with that see we're still working on that (laughs) all right okay so if she was going to be assertive about this subject what she would probably say to him is I've been feeling lonely lately Babe, I've been feeling lonely lately. Because we haven't got to ha- spend any time together. Because we haven't got to spend any time just together. Just the two of us. And just the two of us. I think we need some time alone. Can we make that happen, please? Okay. Yeah. And how would that make you feel if you got some time together? i feel a lot better, more comforted, and more like you love me. Okay. <laughs> All right. So let's. the last little part that you tacked on there, I feel like maybe you love me. Maybe not so much, because that's kind of putting that you in there. But Okay. I've been feeling lonely. We haven't got to spend time together. I would really like to spend time together. It would make me feel comforted. So then I need you to know that you heard her, so I need you to tell back to her what you heard her say. Okay. Let me ask you a a question. Is it what I heard that you said you would like to spend more time together because it's been so busy? and you, you feel lonely. Now see, there was just a few simple sentences, but you see how the struggle to remember like even what, how it made her feel. So we have to teach ourselves to hear, to comprehend, because so many times we're getting a little, oh, okay, well, I'm gonna tell this, or when we know our spouse is getting ready to express a feeling, maybe a problem, we're automatically raising our defenses, and as soon as they get out, maybe they weren't gonna say, well, then what we want to do is we're, we feel like they're blaming us. So we try to shift it. Well, it's not my fault we've been so busy. You know we've had this going on. just, as, And then it can turn into an argument, right? But if he would say, I recognize you've been feeling lonely. You know what? I realize we haven't had much time together. You are right about that. Let's plan to send the boys over to your mom's Friday night, and let's just take an hour. Even if we can't go out of town, let's just go to dinner, just the two of us. Or say... I don't have a sitter. I can't afford a sitter. Okay, tonight when the kids go to bed, we're going to stay up an extra hour and just have some time together, even if it's just us sitting on the couch, spending some time talking, watching a movie, whatever, okay? Thank you all for being my guinea pigs. We got tonight, then. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, so here's the thing about assertiveness and active listening. It is a skill that means it takes practice. You're not just gonna, okay, she said to be assertive and express my needs and when my spouse talks to me, to be an active listener. Okay, I got this. No, trust me, it's gonna take practice. It's gonna take, and you say, oh, but that's awkward. That's awkward, I don't wanna do that. Well, if you're having issues, how's what you've been doing working for you? right? Isn't it worth a shot? It absolutely is worth a shot, okay? Here's why this is so important and so helpful. When your spouse and each other, you know how your spouse feels and what they need because they were assertive. And when, you're, and when you know that you have been heard and your spouse knows that they have been heard and understood through active listening, intimacy is increased. These skills can help you grow closer as a couple because you learn about each other. I've been married 20 years. I'm still learning about my husband. He's still learning about me. We still have moments we sit down and say, you know, babe, I've been feeling such and such. I would like to see more so-and-so. Do you think? And then you have a talk. You have a discussion. It's skills you put into practice and you work on. Okay? So once you have this established and you are able to be assertive and you say, it can be awkward. It can be weird if you've never done it. Sometimes people get real uncomfortable, think I am not going to sit down in a chair across from my spouse and look them in the eye. And you know what? That's okay. Sometimes it may be easier. Let's say it's just the two of you and you're driving in a car. As long as there's not any other distractions, being on your phone, having the radio on, as long as you're able to talk, that's what really matters. Okay? Because if you're able to talk or your spouse is able to talk and you all are able to listen and understand the needs and wants of each other, that's gonna go a long way towards building your marriage and making it stronger. And once you do that, you for sure are not gonna succeed at conflict resolution if you first don't have a good skill of knowing how to communicate. Because if you can't just discuss basic things on a decent level, how in the world are you ever gonna discuss a problem and bring any type of resolution? You're just gonna end up in a big argument And a big fight and then it gets brushed under the rug and it's never resolved. So it takes skills, but they can be taught and you can learn. When you leave tonight, I'm gonna give you a worksheet that has this information on it about assertiveness and active listening and about daily dialogue. So you're gonna go home with a worksheet for for you and your spouse that you can look at, okay? So now I wanna talk to you about what we call the 12 disciplines of communication, okay? kind of like the 12 commandments, but this is about communication, okay? These are things that are so important for you to know, all right? Number one, if you're going to talk, number one, you need to be sure your spouse is listening, because what's the point of talking if they're not listening? If, let's say, we're the wife, and say the husband is really engaged in maybe in my husband's case, he's not a sports fan, so I could never say, while well, he's sitting down watching a big game because that's not him, but if he's engrossed studying or reading or he has to preach that night and he's busy studying, that's probably not a good time for me to go and say, hey, I need to really tell you something because they're going to be distracted, right? They're gonna, their mind's not going to be focused on what you're trying to tell them, okay? So many times, we've got to be careful with our timing, Okay? So we need to make sure, one, they're not distracted, and two, timing's also important because sometimes if there's been a problem or a situation, and we want to, and as women, we're the type that we want to talk about it right now, but sometimes guys, and this can be guys or girls, but it's just more common that the guy just may be so angry, like I just need some space, and girls can be that way too. I cannot talk about it right now. I'm too upset about it. I'm too angry. I need some space, but it's okay to say, hey, we need to talk about something. Do you have time to listen to me? Um, And if they're like, nope, you know, I got this. I can't talk about it, whatever. That's okay. You just say, okay, I understand. Is there a good time that we could talk? And so then you make a plan. And that may seem silly. I'm going to plan a time to talk to my spouse. Yeah. Especially if you have kids at home or you both work a job or you have to get up early in the morning or you have things coming up you plan it you know what hey can we talk yeah after the kids get in bed tonight or you know once you get off work Friday and there's nothing else going on let's take some time to talk okay it's important to plan it all right now if they're saying no I don't want to talk I'm not ready that's okay because you want them to be willing to be ready to listen Okay, so this may postpone it a little bit, but it will improve your chances of being heard. Now, on the flip side of that, if you're the one that's needing to be the active listener because your spouse says they need to express something or share something, you can't continue just to postpone and put it off because you don't want to hear it. And you just keep, nope, can't talk, don't want to talk about it, don't want to talk about it, don't want to talk about it. Because all you are doing is feeding into a problem that's going to fester and grow and eventually will probably erupt in a big argument that could be avoided if you would just say, yes, I know we need to discuss this, let's take a moment and talk about it. So good communication is a two-way street. You give undivided attention, all right? Another way that communication, talking about being sure that your spouse is listening it's just as important for the one doing the talking not to dominate the conversation. As I said, you're not going on a 10-minute diatribe. You need to pare it down, keep it simple, stay calm, okay? Usually in a relationship, as you well know, you usually have one spouse that's more of the talker and one that's more quiet, okay? Y'all know which one I am, right? Easy, all right? So when you say You shouldn't interrupt your spouse when they're speaking. Well, then that takes self-control on the part of the one that tends to be more of a talker. Because then if the one that doesn't tend to talk sits there quietly saying, well, I'm not going to interrupt. I'm listening. So the talkative spouse takes advantage of that and talks for 20 minutes. You're not gaining anything. You're not helping anything. Okay? So you don't want to monopolize a conversation. Okay? Because when you begin to just go on and on, you're gonna get silence from your partner. And they're gonna zone out. They're gonna tune out, okay? And on a side note, if you're a couple and you're out in public and you're around other people, the one that tends to do most of the talking for the couple, it's important that you step back and allow your spouse to speak as well. Now sometimes they may be like, I don't care, you do all the talking, I don't wanna talk, right? But it's important if they're addressed that you don't just constantly speak for them. You need to allow them to be their own person, okay? But the listener, they can also ensure bad communication. How, if you are supposed to be a listener, what are some ways that you could be a bad listener? Well, maybe you don't give eye contact. Maybe you're looking anywhere but them. Now, you heard me mention that maybe if you're driving in a car because you're discussing something that's a little awkward. But if possible, eye contact is important. Number two, negative facial gestures. They're talking and you start sneering your nose or rolling your eyes or crossing your arms, disengaged body language, you're totally gonna short circuit them wanting to open up and share with you. Because they know that you truly don't care about listening. Because those, you may not, you say, well, I didn't say anything, maybe not, but your body language and your facial expression and the expression through your eyes said it all, you didn't even have to say anything. And you're gonna short circuit your spouse wanting to share. Have you ever been out in public and you saw couples sitting maybe in the food court or, you know, sitting on a park bench? A lot of times you can, don't, you don't even have to be listening to their conversation without being able to read them like a book. Man, look at that couple right there. Man, you can tell she wears the pants in the family. She's just giving him the what for. And he, you know, you can read body language, can't you? Okay. Your spouse picks up on your body language. Our spouses can read us. And, the longer we've been married, the better they know us, the the harder it gets. You can't fool them. They know. They can pick up on it, okay? Proverbs 18:13 tells us, "He that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame unto him." Okay? Responding before you even hear the whole matter is a mistake. So many times we get defensive because we feel, "Uh-oh, I did something wrong." And so we want to cut it off and we want to formulate a response, but that's not listening. That's putting up a defense mechanism. And it doesn't help in the matter because if we're constantly cutting off our spouse and not really listening, they're going to end up not wanting to talk to us. You know, that's not my problem. I'm sorry you feel that way, you know. Then you are just cutting your spouse down and they're not going to have a desire to share what's on their heart with you. And many times we can make a rash judgment on something that's only been half spoken and we never even hear the other half. If the wife that was upset about her husband being late started to make the statement, it worries me when you're late and he starts in, well, you just don't understand because you're at home and I work a job and you don't understand how traffic is whenever all she is wanting to say is, I get worried because I care. You see the difference? So it's important that we listen. Number two, begin with something positive. Whenever you need to have a serious discussion with your spouse, it can always be a help to start with something positive. All right? Now, this doesn't mean you're being artificial or fake. You're sincere. You sincerely find something. People automatically become defensive when they hear someone and something begin to speak starting with negatives like criticisms or complaints. But a lot of times, if comments are preceded by a compliment, they may be a lot more open than to what's being shared. For example, might say, thank you so much for helping to load the dishwasher. I really appreciate that. That is such a help to me. If you wouldn't care next time, would you mind just putting all the glasses together on one side and the plastic together on one side? That would be great, okay? so." As opposed to saying, you know, you never load this dishwasher right. You're always putting stuff here and stuff there. And that's not how it goes, right? So you can soften the blow, so to speak, with a compliment. Or maybe, honey, thank you so much that every Friday before you leave for work, you go out and you roll the trash can down to the curb. Thank you so much. Would you mind when you come back from work on Friday afternoons, would you mind rolling it back up by the house so it doesn't stay down at the curb all week? Okay? You're thanking them. You're giving them a compliment. You're appreciating what they do. Now, this is both ways. This is wives to husbands and husbands to wives. It goes both ways, okay? So you just have to be willing to understand that if you constantly are only giving criticisms and only giving negatives, eventually they're going to build up a wall and they're not going to hear you anymore, okay? Because all they ever feel is tore down. All they ever feel is disrespected. All they ever feel is unloved. They never feel appreciated. They never hear a compliment. And then there's no way you're going to get forward with any type of need that you have if you are never willing to praise them or thank them or give some type of encouragement or appreciation for the things that they do that you're thankful for. Okay? Proverbs 25.11 says, A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. So the idea is that gold and silver are considered precious metals, and a word fitly spoken, that's precious, okay? Number three, do not attack, okay? Attacks, it's just like someone like a lawyer and someone sitting up there and they are just coming against them. There's criminal charges and they're just blasting them. Didn't you? You did. You said. And they're just attacking, attacking. And a lot of times people in attack mode, they have this self-righteousness about them. Like, I'm coming down on you because I didn't do anything wrong. You did everything wrong. And I'm going to make sure you know every single thing that bothered me and every single bit of the problem. And I'm going to make sure you know it was you. I have no No bearing in this. And what happens is, what happens? Just like in a court of law, you got the prosecution, and what's on the other side? Defense, exactly. And that's the type of response we're gonna get. This goes back to the things we were saying earlier. When you're making statements like you never, you always, like going back to the trash can example, you never bring the trash can back up. I mean, how hard is it? Obviously, you know how to do it. You take it down to the curb in the morning. How hard would it be to bring it back? at the end of the day, right? Attacking, attacking. You're definitely not gonna get the response you want when you do that. Going back to what I said earlier, the best way then to avoid attacking your spouse is to frame your comments using I statements. I would appreciate. I thank you for taking the trash to the curb. It would really mean a lot if you wouldn't mind to bring it back up to the house. Then when I take the trash out through the week, I don't have to walk all the way down to the road. You still get what you want, and your spouse doesn't feel attacked. Okay? Number four, be respectful. Do not cast disrespectful judgments. Now, here's what I mean by disrespectful judgments. Like, what do you mean, Sister McGee? Sarcasm? ridicule what's wrong with you i don't know anybody else that feels that way like there's something wrong with you right ridicule put downs belittling insults exaggerated comments oh yeah whatever i'm sure there's nobody else in the whole world that feels like you do you know exaggerating ridiculing these are definite no-nos you don't want to do this Now, this falls on the side of the listener. You don't want to give those responses, okay? A lot of times things like that, they can fall under the heading of verbal abuse. You know, there's a lot of people in marriages that when people are in a a bad relationship where there is physical abuse, they're told to get out. If that person is in danger in your life and beating you up, But there are a lot of people across the country and across the world in relationships and marriages where they live with verbal abuse day in day out week in week out and verbal abuse is just as harmful as physical abuse physical wounds they're going to heal verbal abuse are all the the cuts that you don't see they're the pain of the heart they're the pain that you go through that nobody else knows if someone gets a black eye the whole world sees that But if you have a spouse that's constantly belittling you and ridiculing you and verbally abusing you, nobody else may know it. We have to be careful with our words, okay? So we need to be respectful. You can pick up on it when you listen to other couples talking to each other or talking about their spouse to others in the way they refer to him. Yeah, I gotta go home to the old man, he's probably just sitting around, hadn't done nothing today. So disrespectful, so condescending And if they would talk bad and poor about their spouse out in the general public with friends and other people, can you imagine how they speak to their spouse at home? Now, I believe it is very important that if you are a couple and you are experiencing issues, you need to find a trusted counselor, your pastor, someone that you can go to and confide in and talk to and help bring resolution to your problems and help strengthen your marriage. But I promise you, you're not doing yourself any favors if you're telling everybody and your brother and your mother and your best friend about all the problems in your marriage and speaking poorly about your spouse to those around you. Here's what happens a lot of times with people that do that. They tell people about what happened at home and how they got in an argument and what their spouse did and how they're so aggravated at him and blah, blah, blah. And everybody thinks, how horrible. Man, you poor thing. Your wife, your husband, man, they are just, that's awful that they would treat you that way. You poor thing. Well, then the husband and wife, maybe over time they work things out and they and they bring resolution and they're back in love and they've worked through their problem. But these people they told, they still think their spouse is a rotten, no good, dirty dog. And that's your fault because you talked about them that way. And then you've created problems. And this is especially true if you speak about them to your parents or your child, adult children, in-laws, things like that. Because then you have the added pressure of things like, I don't know why you stay married to that person after all the things they've done to you. That's just so terrible. How could you ever forgive them? And maybe you're the one that's been hurt and you forgave your spouse. But you got all this family that you've told all the bad stuff to that continually is in your ear. <sighs> how could you ever stay married to them I just don't understand you there you know and so then you've created problems for yourself so it's very important very important that you consider who you talk to and what you say and 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 being respectful and uplifting you know I've been married 20 years man you have an awesome marriage and I'm like yeah I'm so thankful I love my husband he is amazing but don't think for a moment that we haven't had our problems of course we have everybody's had problems. We've had problems, but you know what? I don't put them on Facebook. I don't put them on social media. I don't go calling up my best friend and telling them how my husband made me mad or did this or did that. No, because I have respect for my husband. If we needed help, we'd find a trusted couple or a trusted counselor that we would go to for help to mentor us. But all these other people are not going to do you any favors by telling all of your dirty laundry to them, Okay. I highly, highly advise against sharing your marriage problems with your parents or your adult children. It can be very unwise, okay? Um, it's just not wise. And especially if you have children or adult children, they feel like it's their fault or they have to pick sides, and that's a whole nether story for a whole nether time, okay? Analyze the way you talk to your spouse. Listen to yourself. Proverbs 29:11 says, "A fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it until afterwards." Proverbs 29:20 20 says, "Seest thou a man that is hasty in his words? There is more hope of a fool than of him." Number five, do not exaggerate. Exaggeration is one way in which we vent our feelings when we're upset. This may help us with our tension, but it really doesn't do much to promote marital harmony okay so if you are constantly exaggerating then your spouse when you're trying to share something with them is going to feel justified in rejecting everything you say okay so me and my husband have become really good about if we ever catch each other saying the never words or the always ways like you know I'm frustrated because you never and one of us never really Okay, maybe not never, maybe not always, but sometimes this happens and it makes me feel this way, okay? So you have to recognize that when something bothers you, you, it's probably not an always or a never situation. Those are usually extreme, so you should probably eliminate those words. Number six, do not attempt to mind read. Now it says do not mind read. I really don't know anybody that has that capability to be a mind reader except for God. But many people as spouses, we kind of try to play amateur psychologist and figure out what the other one's thinking, okay? We think we know where they're coming from. We know what their motives are. But man, we can get ourselves in a world of hurt. We might say things like, you did that. You knew it would upset me. You knew. Well, how do you know they knew? Maybe they did and didn't know what upset you. I know you really don't mean what you just said. You don't mean that. You don't really feel that way. You don't really care about me. Those are all examples of being provocative in in, in the sense of trying to be a mind reader. You're trying to put yourself inside their mind and say what you think they meant when they said that or where they were coming from. The thing is, if you do that, you're just projecting yourself onto them instead of stopping and listening and let them really tell you how they feel and where it comes from. Number seven, this is a big one, and this is so important. We're at 54 minutes, so I might stop right here and pick up next week on number seven. Let me tell you about seven. Focus on preferences, not principles. So many times, spouses pretend their feelings are not as important as the principle involved, all right? So they get into an argument about something, certain issue, and man, they are desperately trying to convince their spouse why they are right? I'm right and I'm gonna prove it to you. Don't you see right here, I just looked it up. See? It says on marriage.com, okay? I don't even know what that is, so I have no clue. If there's a marriage.com, I don't know. I'm just I just threw that out there. Or they might throw out a statistic. Or I read in a book or I read in a magazine article. Or if nothing like that, all the other people I know, all the other married couples, our friends, our neighbors. And if all that fails then they might just assert, well, the way I feel, this is normal. Everyone feels this way. Everyone feels the way I do. Okay? So therefore, by making that statement, then obviously only someone abnormal would not feel this way and disagree. Right? So they think they're strengthening their argument. I'm right. I'm going to prove it. I know I am. But in fact, they're weakening their argument. Because this marriages are not about right or wrong okay not when it comes to feelings and issues and problems now is there right or wrong in the word of god and statues and things to live by and to commit yes okay we all know that but what i'm saying is when it comes to preferences and about people's feelings it goes back to what i said at the beginning we are all unique people and what i need from my husband is not going to be the same as sister sheila what you need from your husband Or Sister Mason, what you need from your husband. And on down the line, we are all individuals. What my husband needs from me is not gonna be the same as what Brother Johnson needs from his wife or what Brother Penrod needs from his wife. We are all unique individuals. So how do we know? We get to know them. We listen to them. We share, okay? When we discuss our preferences, then there's room for resolution. Then there's room for compromise. But if we're talking about what's right and what's wrong, you're probably not going to come to an agreement because if you disagree, then you're saying I'm right and you're wrong and they're saying, no, I'm right and you're wrong. Instead of saying, this is what would really mean a lot to me. This is the way I prefer it. This is what would mean a lot to me if we could, you know, how do you feel? Then you come to a compromise, okay? So I'm going to skip to the end. I'm going to come back to Numbers 8 through 12 next week because we are already at 57 minutes. So let me do a little summary here at the end, okay? Find what your spouse prefers and work to meet that need. In order to know what your spouse needs, that means you have to get to know them. You have to spend time talking to them at an intimate level. There's different levels of communication. There's people that just kind of do the general, oh, how are you? I'm fine, how are you? everybody says hey how are you doing I'm doing fine you say that every day to a million people or it might be you may be talking about the facts oh did you hear that there may be some more snow and ice coming this week yeah I heard that you're sharing topics facts about the weather current events or you may take it another step further and you may even be willing to share some of your opinions when you start to share opinions though you open yourself up a little bit because your opinions may not be the same as everybody else's opinions okay Um, you start to share a little bit about yourself. And this can be on a variety of things. How you feel when we had our ladies' Christmas supper, we did a little thing where I stood up and I would say two things. And if you wanted, um, for example, I think one of them was, um, if you like the snow or you don't like the snow. And so some would go this way and some would go that way. Well, when you're kind of sharing your preference, you see the people that have this preference and the people that have this. And it happened on more than one occasion that on some of those topics, everybody in the group except one person went to the different sides so that can be a little bit scary when maybe your preference might not be considered what would just be the normal preference of everybody around you and then finally you can go one step further and that's where you are assertive and you say what you're feeling and you reveal what you're needing and that's why it's so important on the opposite side when you're the listener To be respectful and to be kind, because if someone opens up and they are vulnerable and they're honest with you about their feelings, and then they're attacked or ridiculed or put down or not listened to, then you're shutting the door on them feeling comfortable being vulnerable with you again. Okay? So it's important to get to know each other on a deep and intimate level. And trust me, it's worth it. It's work, but it's worth it. This is the person you pledge to spend the rest of your life with till the day you die. So don't you want to make it the best it can be? That's so important. So here's what I'm going to do. Everybody say, yay. Yay. Homework. Oh, that wasn't as exciting. All right. Here's your homework if you're a married couple in the room, okay? At least one time this week, I want you to practice the drive-through talking that we modeled up here. I want you to pick a topic. Now, listen, don't pick some horrible, gut-wrenching awful topic that you just can't agree on and don't pick some subject that's like you always are leaving crumbs by the toaster okay find something that's kind of middle of the road you know we talked about some of those tonight all right pick something middle of the road and agree to sit down and just test it out okay all right I'm going to give you the worksheet you're going to take it home you can look through it. you can write on it you can go through it all right homework number two is as you are getting to know your spouse better, it's really important that daily you just take a few minutes and have a little bit of dialogue, okay? Now, I'm not saying you sit down every day and say, honey, what did you enjoy the most about our marriage today? Okay, I'm not saying that because that seems really awkward, right? Okay, but what I have counseled people to do and what even me and my husband have done is there may be times throughout maybe not every week or every day, but I might just say, babe, I might give him a compliment at first and say, babe, I just want you to know, I really appreciate, you know, something that you've done. Thank you so much. You know, I've been busy this week. What? You got something? Okay. So (laughs) he's over there talking. So he may have something that he's done and I, and I compliment him and I appreciate him, you know? Um, And so then I say, is there something I've done that, you know, you feel like has been helpful or beneficial to you? this week and that gives an the opportunity to speak and then I might say well is there anything that this week that I've done that you feel like I could do better or that you would like to see more out of me as a wife and then he might have something he would share and then a lot of times when you give that yeah that's true so true pull out the list but then when he shares then a lot of times what happens is if they do have something they want to share almost all the time they'll follow up. well since we're taught talk- is there something I can do because then they feel like they got to be on equal footing now, here's the thing. I know, like, m- most uh, couples, you know, like I said, you got to constantly keep coming back and, you know, getting the boat back online and such like that. And uh, there was a point that I was like, oh, you know, I need to tell my husband. I- I'd like to see more of this in the relationship, you know. But I stopped and examined myself first. And I said, you know, there's some things that I know that he desires that I haven't been doing, and I have no right to go ask for what I need and I want if I'm not willing to give him what I know he needs and he wants. So I set it aside, and I started doing the things better that I knew would mean a lot to him. So then, after a little bit of time, when I was able to say, this is what I need, this is what I'd like to see more of, very, very, he, he listened, he was very reciprocal, he was very accepting because he knew that I was making efforts to do things more to help him that I knew that he loved than he was willing to reciprocate back. But he knew that I would love, and it just builds your relationship, okay? So, some daily dialogue and some drive through talking, okay? Now, next week, some of you may be familiar with a little bit of the material I'm going to talk about next week, but I can't not do it, even if you've already been through it. Some of my ladies in here have been through it, but I have to talk about the love languages next week. I just can't not do it, all right? I got to, and then we're also going to talk about the language of love and respect. So, so important. An amazing book that I read recently, and I think it's going to be revolutionizing for some of us. It was for me, I know. So next week, I'm going to talk about, Honey, You Are Speaking My Language. Okay? So that's what we're going to talk about next week. Um, if you all don't mind, Brother Alex, could you help me and just kind of go through the room and all the couples give them one of each of these? Oh, yeah, by the way. I got one. This is one for them. This is one. Let me keep one of these. So what you're getting is the assertive talking and the in the daily dialogue you're also getting the 12 disciplines of communication that we just talked about now I haven't talked about 8 through 12 okay but I'm gonna go ahead and give them to you I'm gonna talk about them next week put these on your fridge put them on your bathroom mirror put them somewhere where you can see them because it's going to help you remember okay now on the back of this I got an email this week some of you all know that have been through counseling with us some of you that don't Pastor and I were trained in becoming facilitators for Prepare and Enrich, which is a marriage counseling um, program. And what they have sent us is in the month of February, next week is National Marriage Week, okay? Now, when we counsel people, we, n- we typically have them take an assessment, which is $35 that they pay. That doesn't go to us. They pay that for the assessment online. And that gives feedback about the areas that they have strengths in, areas where they have their need improvement it talks about if they mesh well on spiritual issues financial issues communication conflict resolution um money uh things like about uh styles and habits you know toilet paper goes on this way not that way toothpaste is squeezed from the tube in the middle or the you know it goes through all these different things okay now normally we would set that up for the couple, you know, it would be $35. But what they've given us is it's called the Couple Checkup and you can go to this website and it's only nineteen ninety-five, dollars and you can put this in and each of you, you and your spouse go in as individuals and you take the assessment, give yourselves about an hour to go through and do it and it will give you a report back about what your strengths are, where you need improvement, where you all agree, where you all disagree. It can be very insightful. Think about it like this. How many times the doctor said, you need to come in for a physical. It's been five years. You need to come get a checkup. We need to run some blood work. See how you're doing health-wise. Well, you know, once in a while, it's a good idea to do that for our marriage and see where we are marriage-wise and see how we're doing, okay? So thank you all for your attentiveness tonight. Thank you, Brother Alex Mason, for passing those out. And uh, I'm going to turn this back to Pastor and let him dismiss us tonight.